One of the things I enjoy doing, I enjoy reading about different evangelists and who they are. One of my favorite evangelists of years gone by was Billy Sunday. How y'all have ever heard of Billy Sunday? I mean, Billy Sunday was a, a unique character. I mean, as you read about his life story, Billy Sunday, at times when he would get up to preach, he was a big baseball player. Uh, he would run up on stage. He would leave his seat and run up all the way on stage, and he would he would slide into the pulpit like you're sliding in the second base. And he would slide into the pulpit and stand up and say, with Jesus, you are safe. I mean, he would do all kinds of stuff. The story tells about Billy Sunday. He was doing an invitation, and I guess he was kind of ADD, and he's giving an invitation. And this guy sitting in the audience had a big flowing white beard, kind of like Santa Claus or so. And how I many he's in the middle of getting this invitation, people are getting saved. But man, he just guy's beard just got his attention. So he walks, he leaves where he's giving the invitation, walks all the way back to where this guy is sitting, puts his hands around this guy's beard and says, honk, honk, and walks all the way back and continues the invitation time. Aren't you grateful that people, that God uses a lot of different types of people? And aren't you grateful that, look at us in this room, aren't you grateful God uses all of us in different ways and, and all of that? But I need you to do me a favor. You know, what an honor it is for Amy and I and our family to be with you. But we need your prayers. Not tomorrow, but the next Monday on April the 16th, uh, uh, Emily will be having back surgery on that Monday. They're going to fuse. They're going to put two rods in her back, and they're going to fuse her entire back, not tomorrow, but the next Monday. And I just really need you. Not only do I want to be your pastor, but I want to be your friend, and I want to do life with you. And I'm just going to tell you, our family needs your prayer for that. Amy and Emily spent two days in Atlanta this week and doing all the pre-testing and you know, they're drawing blood, and Emily has a chromosome 2 deletion, so very unique. There's only eight documented cases medically in the entire world ever with what Emily has. And one of the things, her veins are a little bit different. So this last week when they were on Wednesday trying to draw blood and get blood, have you ever had it when they try to draw blood and they can't get it and they just keep digging and digging and digging? It hurts, doesn't it? So on Wednesday, they're trying to get blood from Emily. And they, I mean, her veins are just formed a little differently. She's fearfully and wonderfully made. They, that poor person just dug and dug and dug and dug. Emily did not complain about it. She didn't scream out about it. But while they're doing it, just the biggest tears just dropping from her face. So... We also, we just need your prayers for that next Monday that uh, we'll just see God do a great work in little Emily's body. But here's what I want you to get today. Jesus Christ is the hurt healer. Our brokenness, our brokenness should move us to brokenness. Listen to that statement again. Our brokenness should move us to brokenness. 
And in being broken, it should move us to Jesus. And in Jesus, there is healing. Here's the statement I want you to remember as you walk out the door today. I want you to remember this statement. Jesus Christ is the hurt healer. And that our brokenness, that every one of us in this room, we are broken, and we pray that our brokenness will move us to a place of to brokenness, that we will be completely broken before the Lord, and that will move us to Jesus, and in Jesus we will find our healing. Here's what happens. Most people in their brokenness, they don't move to brokenness. Most people in their brokenness, they move to God's substitutes. Most people in their brokenness, they go to all kinds of other things instead of allowing God to bring them to brokenness and then that they can find their healing in Jesus. So here, look at me. Here's the process that we want. We want God to move us from our brokenness to a spirit of brokenness to Jesus that we will find Jesus and we will find healing. We don't want our brokenness to move us to a God substitute or move us to something else. If you try to figure out, if you try to get help for your hurt and your brokenness in any other way than Jesus Christ, it will not work. Please look at me. I want all eyes right here. If you try to deal with your hurt and your brokenness in any other way other than Jesus Christ, it will not work. If it did work, then it will make a mockery of God. God designed it and God made it that nothing will heal a broken heart. Nothing will put us back together except Jesus Christ. So here's my question. What hurt do you need to bring to Jesus today? What issue? Here's the invitation today. The invitation is quit holding on to the hurt and transfer the hurt to Jesus so he can transform it. Let me make that statement. I want you to hear this. This statement is worth the whole day. The invitation is this. Come and transfer your heart, your hurt to Jesus so he can transform it. Here's what we do. We hold on to our hurt. We hold on to our brokenness. All it will do is destroy us. The best thing and the only thing we need to do is we need to come and transfer our heart, we need to come and transfer our hurt so Jesus Christ can transform it. The hurt cannot be transformed until you transfer it. We rather hold on to it instead of transfer it. 
Here's the invitation. In just a moment, I want you to come and take that hurt, and I want you to come and transfer it so Jesus Christ can transform it. I want you to do what the little boy did with the five loaves and the two fishes. Remember, Jesus is out there teaching. And remember, Jesus asked the question, how are we going to feed all these people? Man, all the way, just going to take to feed all these people? Go, And they found the little boy's lunch, five loaves and two fishes. And that little boy, listen to this. The little boy transferred his little lunch, and Jesus Christ transformed it. What I'm asking you to do is bring your shame, bring your guilt, bring the hurt, bring all of those things, and transfer, instead of keep wearing it, transfer it and let Jesus transform it. Let me show it to you in the text of Scripture. Move to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 16. As a matter of fact, growing up as a kid... I watched a lot of Star Trek. Anybody watch Star Trek growing up? Any Star Trek geeks, you know? One of the things that I wish about Star Trek, I, I love where they could stand in there and they could be beamed somewhere else, you know? Beam me up, Scotty. You know, wouldn't you like uh, at times, have you ever been in a situation in a room and you think, Lord, can you just beam me out of this situation? You know, well, if there was a text of Scripture that I could say, Jesus, can you beam me in? Can you move me into the Scripture? I would love it at this moment if we could all stand in that little circle and all of a sudden we are all beamed up and we're all now sitting in the synagogue in Nazareth where Jesus grew up, the synagogue where Jesus was all the time, the synagogue. Hey, when Jesus is in this synagogue, he knew everybody in that place. He knew, he knew who the Nazareth gossip was. He knew who the bread baker was. I mean, Jesus is in there with all these people. He knows them, and they know him. Wouldn't it be an incredible moment to all of a sudden us be being in, and we're sitting in the middle of Nazareth, and we're sitting in the synagogue. And all of a sudden, in this synagogue, they're going to read Scripture. The Scripture is given to Jesus. They're giving him the scroll, and just not any scroll. They're giving him the scroll of the book of Isaiah. As a matter of fact, when you look at it and you study it, they did not tell Jesus what Scripture to read. In the text of Scripture, you're going to see as Jesus is on in this moment that Jesus is going through the scroll, and Jesus Christ picks the text of Scripture to read out of the book of Isaiah. So here he is in the synagogue, in his hometown. Everybody knows him. He knows them. They know him. Jesus is given the scroll of Isaiah. He can pick any Scripture he can pick. And he goes to this scripture. This scripture is going to tell us that Jesus Christ is the hurt healer. Let's look at it together. 
Luke chapter 4, verse 16. All right, we have just been beamed in to Nazareth. We're in the hometown of Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you go to Nazareth today, last time Amy and I were in Israel, we were in Nazareth, and right in the middle of the town, they have it set up, and it's set up like you were in the time of Jesus. As a matter of fact, you are right there. I mean, you are right there at the place of the synagogue. Here we are, Jesus' hometown. We are, we're in the synagogue with Jesus. Verse 16. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue. Mark the word synagogue. When did the synagogue come about? When you study scripture and you study church history, you study biblically, the synagogues came about during the 400 years of silence between the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we know about the Temple Mount. In the Old Testament, we know how they go in the temple. In the Old Testament, we know about the Holies of Holies. In the Old Testament, we know how the high priest would go and make atonement once a year. But in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, during that time frame is when synagogues came about. So now, here is Jesus. So he came to Nazareth where, it was, where he was brought up. And as it was custom, he went in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And he was handed the book, the really the better terminology, he was really handed the scroll. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he who found the place, I want you to get this as important. Who found the place in the book of Isaiah? Jesus. He found the place where it was written. What I want you to do, I want you to picture your finger right here in your Bible or electronically. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 61. Go all the way to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61. Does anybody know... How many chapters are in the book of Isaiah? 66. Very easy to remember. How many books are there in the Bible? 66. There's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. Go with me, Isaiah chapter 61, and let's read verse 1 and verse number 2. And then you're going to see that Jesus Christ is going to read this scripture. But after Jesus reads this scripture, he's going to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled. What is Jesus doing in Luke chapter 4? In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is saying that he is the Savior of the world. He is laying out for us completely that Jesus Christ is the one that is talked about in Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. So, let's read it. Are you there? All right, let's read it. Verse 1. 
The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. If you're taking notes or writing in your Bibles, I want you to put a a little mark or a slash right there. When Jesus is going to read this scripture in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is going to stop at this point. Jesus is not going to read the rest of verse number 2. Here's the reason why. When Jesus Christ is reading it, It is no longer going to be the day of vengeance, but now it's going to be the day of salvation. So Jesus is going to read up in verse number 2 to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and he's going to stop. And you're going to see in Luke chapter 4 how the people responded. All their eyes are fixed on Jesus because they knew this scripture, and they knew that Jesus stopped. Let's read the rest of verse 2. And the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. All right, let's go all the way back to Luke chapter 4, and let's begin in verse 18. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus, hometown, Nazareth, Nazareth, he's standing up, they hand him the Scripture, and now he is reading the Scripture. Everybody knows him, and he knows all of them. Here's what Jesus Christ is about to read. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, And recover the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Stop. Remember, we're beamed in, we're in Nazareth, we're in the synagogue. Jesus is telling all of them, I am the Son of God, I'm the Messiah. And I am the one that is fulfilling this scripture. Look what happens in verse 20. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. This is an incredible moment in time in history. This is an incredible moment as Jesus Christ is saying, I am this one. The one that was prophesied about, the one that was promised all the way back in Isaiah 61, I am he. Look what he says in verse 21. It takes a little step even more. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, Jesus is laying out, 
that this, what was prophesied about, is now a reality. And the reality is, I am the Jesus Christ. I am the Son of God. I am the fulfillment of the promise that was made all the way during Isaiah's time. So what does it mean for us? It means Jesus is the hurt healer. How do we know that? Look back in verse number 18. What does it say? And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointing me. Then after this, it's going to lay out several things. Look at the very first thing. The Spirit upon upon the Lord is upon me, is anointing me. What has the Spirit of God and what is the plan of God for Jesus? Look what it says. And to preach the gospel. Who is the gospel supposed to be preached to in this text of Scripture? And to preach the gospel to the poor. That word preach right there, I mean the word gospel really means to evangelize. It says to preach the gospel. It's really to preach, to evangelize. I like the word evangelism, don't you? Hey, four o'clock today. Four o'clock, what are we doing? We're going to go to the guests that were with us last Sunday morning, and we're going to tell them, thank you for coming, and we want to have them a gift, and we want to pray for them, and what do we want to do? We want to evangelize, and we want to tell them, you are spiritually bankrupt, but I got some good news. Jesus Christ can move you being spiritually bankrupt and set you free. So here's what I, hey, all you men in this room, go to your DVR and just record the end of the Masters. Four o'clock, I'm being serious about it. We need your help at four o'clock. You know what a tragedy it would be to have over 200 new families that God has brought our way and we don't go back and say, hey, we just want to tell you thank you for coming. And we want you to know, Jesus really does love you, and we love you, and we want to help you in this journey spiritually. Why don't you come? We're just asking two hours out of your time. Come, and let's minister to these families. Here's the reason why Jesus said to preach the gospel, to evangelize the poor. Right next to that in your Bibles, I want you to put Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Why do you need to put Matthew chapter 5, verse 3? Does anybody know what Matthew 5, 3 is? Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that are spiritually bankrupt. Here, Jesus Christ is saying, I want you to know, in the synagogue, in his hometown, he said, I want you to know, God has anointed me, and the Spirit of God is upon me, so that I will go and preach, evangelize to the poor. That means physically poor, and that means to be spiritually poor. That's the first thing. Look at the second thing it tells us. To preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to heal 
the brokenhearted. May I ask you a question? Have you ever been hurt in your life? Let me ask you, has anybody ever done you wrong? Somebody's done you wrong? They hurt you? Somebody does you wrong, it really hurts your heart, doesn't it? Have you ever had somebody tell you, man, you're never going to amount to anything. Look at you. You're not smart enough. Anybody ever look at you and say, you know what? You're just flat ugly. Have you ever been hurt when somebody said, you you really are. You struggle in that area. How do you look? Have you ever had somebody take advantage of you? You know what the scripture tells us? Or not the scripture tells us. You know what statistics tells us? This is statistics. That one out of every three girls today by the time they turn 18, somebody's going to sexually take advantage of them. One out of every Three girls. You know what statistics tells us? In today's society, one out of every four boys, by the time they turn 18, somebody's going to sexually take advantage of them. Some of you walk through days where you've had that teenager, you've had that grown kid say, you know what, Mom, Dad, I just hate you. I tell you what, when that child tells you, you know, I just hate you, it stings. Some of you have walked through that days that you were in a marriage and that person in the marriage said, you know what, I don't love you anymore, I'm out. Some of you are in this ring And your mom and dad had to look at you and say, you know what? Your mom and dad's out on you. We're going to be more about us than we are you. One of the most painful things that I watched quite a few years ago, when Amy and I lived in Alcoa, we had a single father that lived right across the street from us. And of course, they would rotate, this young little boy would rotate between parents and It was the end of the weekend where it was time to go from his dad back to his mom. And we watched that daddy walk his little boy back out to the car to his ex-wife, to the little boy's mom. We watched that dad and that son just give a big embrace, and they said, man, we'll miss you. The little boy, as soon as he got in the car, he rode down the window and said, Daddy, I love you. They pulled out of the driveway and they just barely passed the mailbox. And the little boy stuck out his head and said, Daddy, I love you. They got about four houses down the street. And the, that little boy mustered up all the energy he could, put his head back up the window and said, Daddy. I love you. Dad walks to the end of his driveway yelling, 
Hey, son, I love you. They got about eight or ten more houses down the street. That little boy yells again. Hey, daddy, I love you. That father at the end. Son, I love you. They got to the very end of our street where they're turning on the main road. Mom stops to get to the stop sign. The little boy yelled out. That's that's good. And I was outside and my dad's right there. We could just faintly hear as a little boy. Hey, Daddy. I love you. I stood there as I watched Daddy's heart broken. I want you to know Jesus Christ is the hurt healer. Look what it says in this text of Scripture. Jesus, hometown, synagogue. He has sent me. Hold on. I want you to get this. He has sent me to do what? Heal. The brokenhearted. But you know what you and I do? We, we get broken and all of this stuff comes and say, you know what? I, I, I'm going to figure this out. Here's what we do. In our brokenness, we wrap ourselves in our pride. and our brokenness, we wrap ourselves in our own selfishness. In our brokenness, we wrap ourselves in a hard heart. In our brokenness, we wrap ourselves and say, you know what? Nobody's ever going to hurt me again. In our, in our brokenness, we say, you know what? I'm never going to any, let anybody close to me. When they come, I'm going to be the porcupine. I, I'm not going to let anybody get close to me. I, I'm going to protect my heart. I'm going to protect it. I'm not going to let anybody get to it. This is what the United States of America looks like. College students. You know what they said about our college students? That our college students today, they're living a life full of shame. Some of you right now, as grandparents, you're broken that your grandchildren aren't in church at all. Some of you are broken about your prodigal son, your prodigal daughter. What do we do? Let me tell you what we do. We come and transfer We come and transfer a heart that is broken. We come and we transfer who we are and we allow God to transform us and make all things new. What do we do? Instead of taking the hurt, instead of taking our brokenness, we don't move our brokenness to a God substitute. We don't move our brokenness to something else. We move our brokenness to brokenness, and we bring our brokenness to brokenness to Jesus, and Jesus makes our things all new. 
I want you to know, Jesus Christ, the hurt healer, he is in this room right now. And Jesus, in just a moment, is going to be waiting. He's waiting for you to transfer your heart and let him be the hurt healer. Don't resist him. You've got the hurt that you're carrying, the, the shame of what you're looking at. You're carrying the shame of your past. You're carrying all of your regrets. Why don't you come and transfer all of your regrets, all of your shame, all of your hurt, and you bring it to the feet of Jesus Christ and let Jesus transform you? Why would you give Jesus the stiff arm, the very one that can transform you. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel, to evangelize the poor. He has sent me to heal those that are broken. I, I want you to remind you in just a moment when you come to this altar and you're bringing your hurt to Jesus, you're coming to a Jesus that is compassionate for you. Sometimes people think, but can I bring my heart hurt to Jesus? Is this, can I tell you, Jesus Christ is the Father of all compassion. Some of you, a little bit older in this room, you're thinking, man, I don't know about me. There's no way I can walk down this aisle. I, I'm, I'm 80 years old and say, man, I've got hurt. Guess what? You can have hurt at 80 years old. Come and let Jesus, the hurt healer, start to heal your heart. Not only is Jesus compassion, I want you to hear this. Jesus does understand what it's like to hurt. I want you to look at me. Please do not miss this. Jesus became this for you so you can become this. Jesus Christ, he left the glories of heaven so you that are broken, you that are torn apart, your family that is upside down, Jesus Christ came and became this so you can become this. So when you come in just a moment and you come and lay down that issue of your life that you heard about, Jesus is compassionate. Jesus understands. There, let me tell you, he went through every single temptation. He went through it all. He understands. And here's what I know. Jesus is present right now to receive you. Because look what else this text says. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. That word captives really mean a prisoner of war. You know what hurt does? You know what all this pain does? This pain really makes you a prisoner. You know what this hurt does in this pain? For that person, for that person that 
however they pulled it out, and that person, however they hurt you, If you don't come to Jesus and transfer your heart so he can transform it, guess what? You are going to live in a prison of hurt, and you're going to live in a prison all glued into that person. Because here's what's going to happen. A part of the process of transferring so Jesus can transform, he is going to ask you to forgive the person who hurt you. When you transfer the pain, he's going to transform you, and he's transformed you. He's going to ask you to take that step because you have been forgiven. you got to forgive them. Some of you, that person took whatever they did, whatever tool it was, and they hurt you, and they wounded you in such a deep way. Let me tell you, bitterness will not work. Resentment will not work. When you become bitter because somebody hurts you, because when you become resentful because somebody hurts you, it's like saying, I'm going to drink the poison, but I want you to hurt them. Until you come to Jesus, you're a prisoner to this. Jesus said, look at this text, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recover the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus' desire for you is freedom, not bondage. Don't resist him. Don't challenge who he is. Instead, here's what I want you to do. I want you to embrace Jesus in your hurt and your brokenness and let him heal you. Our brokenness moves us to brokenness that moves us to Jesus, and to Jesus brings healing. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, this is an incredible word, Jesus, as you stood in the synagogue and you were proclaiming who you are and what you're here to do. Thank you, Jesus, that you walked in that synagogue that day to announce to the entire world, to announce for all of time and eternity, to speak so clearly that, Jesus, that you were anointed by the Spirit of God to preach to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set free the prisoner, to set free those that are captive. Thank you, Jesus, that all in this text of Scripture, that Jesus, that you are the hurt healer. 
And Lord, across this room and people watching online, Lord, the hurt, the shame, the pain, the guilt, the regrets, the sin, the pain, the abandonment, the being made fun of. The hurt is great. But God, thank you that your healing is greater than the hurt. Lord, I pray in just a moment, none of us will resist the work of God. I pray that none of us will push back this truth. God, I pray in just a moment when we stand and we sing, God, I pray that each person, whatever that hurt is, God, I pray that they will transfer the hurt so you can transform it. God, there's no other way for the hurt to be transformed and healed until it's transferred. God, may we transfer the hurt. God, we've cared it long enough. We dealt with the shame long enough. We dealt with all the issues. God, may we bring it to the feet of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, you even proclaimed in that synagogue that day that you came to heal it. God, may we quit wearing it. Instead, we'll transfer it to you. Right now, no one's moving. I don't want anybody looking. The hurt that is in this room is great. The hurt from a prodigal son, the hurt from a prodigal daughter, the hurt from a next-door neighbor, the hurt from a boss, the hurt from an uncle that took advantage of you, the hurt from all, whatever it might be, the hurt of the bankruptcy. In just a moment, what I'm going to ask you to do, the moment we stand, I want you to stand and I want you to come right down here and transfer your hurt to Christ and say, Jesus, transform it. Because Jesus, you came to heal the broken heart. May my brokenness move me to brokenness, to Jesus, to healing. I mean, just a moment. I don't care what age you are, if you're five years of age to 95 years of age. Come bring your heart to Jesus. Some of you, you've been visiting with us. This is where your church home needs to be. I mean, when you come, the pastors are down front. Why don't you come and join? Some of you this morning, you need to get saved. You've never been saved. I mean, the moment we stand, you come. You come right now and get saved. But for all of us, let's all transfer the hurt so he can transform it. Lord, I pray that we will not let the devil talk us out of it. I pray that we will not allow the flesh to get in the way. But instead, Lord, may we come on the promises of your word that when we transfer our hurt to you, that you can heal a broken heart. God, we come. Because, God, you can make all things new. In Christ's name. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. Don't resist the work of God. Don't challenge Him, but just come and embrace it. I mean, when we stand, you come. You've carried the hurt long enough. Come to the hurt healer. And heal.